Well, I hope that you will be as excited as I am to start this new series called The Sweet Life. And this morning, I want to ask you a question. The question is very simple. How sweet is your life? Are you an attractive person to be around? I'm not talking about physical attraction. I'm talking about charisma and personality. Are you inspiring? Are you encouraging? Are you a delight to be with? To help you kind of decide that, and uh, maybe some people close to you can help you decide it, we're going to do an inventory. And uh, our inventory is found in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. So I'm going to ask you to turn there with me to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, where we have the listing of the fruit of the Spirit, which is what we're going to be looking at over the next several uh, weeks together. Let's turn over to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. It says in that passage, Paul speaks these words. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's look at those again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, those define the sweet life. Imagine being around someone who exhibits all those characteristics. Let's talk a little bit about you and me right now. Let's take a little inventory. And on your sermon outline, you can score your inventory um, like zero to ten. Zero means nobody wants to be around you. All right. And ten means you are so sweet. We'd all like to take you home. Okay. You are like a beautiful, lush, fresh, fresh, fresh red strawberry. All right. Strawberry season's coming up. Looking forward to it. I love. How many of you like strawberries? Oh yeah. Strawberries are, are good on cereal. Strawberries are good with ice cream. Strawberries are good with shortcake. Strawberries are good with ice cream. Strawberries are good in pie. Strawberries are good in smoothies. Strawberries are good with ice cream. I, I like strawberries and ice cream. Anyway, getting back to what we were talking about, got a little strawberry carried away there. Here's the first question I want you to kind of answer. And if you're married and your spouse is here, maybe you want them to do it for you. Then again, I'm not doing a series on marriage for a while, so maybe you shouldn't. Number one, would others say that your life is typified by selflessness? In other words, generally speaking, would others say you are a very unselfish person? You don't have to be first. It doesn't have to be your way. All right? Zero to ten. Number two. Would others describe you as exuberant about life? I'm not talking about rah, rah, you know, extrovert, yay, let's go, loud kind of exuberance. I'm talking about just are you exuberant about life? Do people enjoy being around you because you're up about life, you're up about work, you're up about challenges, you're up about the good things that God is doing? You're just an exuberant person. How would you score yourself? Now, some of you who are type A's like me, you want 10 minutes to think about each one. Don't do that because then you're going to be dishonest. Just right away, put the number that comes to mind, right? Number three, do you project serenity even in difficulty? In other words, when you're in a tight jam, do you just kind of project serenity? Or when others are in a tight jam and they get around you and you're around them, do you just kind of bring like this 
calming, serene influence to people and to things. All right? Zero to ten. Number four, are you able to wait without complaining? Are you able to wait without complaining? All right, let's move on to the next one. Come on. Let's get to the next one. Stop messing with me. I got to get a sermon done. Let's get on to the next one. All right, I think you got it. Number five, are you known for compassion, a good heart, and the ability to stick with things? Are you known for compassion, a good heart, and the ability to stick with things? Number six, are you tender toward others? Would you be considered as a, as a tender person? Now, time out, because some of you are sitting there going, Oh, I'm not, I can't rate myself. I'm a guy. Men aren't tender. Men aren't, you know, this is a fruit of the spirit. No matter what gender you are, no matter what your background is, you need to be a tender person. So how are you when it comes to tenderness? Last but not least, number seven, would you be described as a person who has his or her passions bridled? That is, you're not flying off the handle angry, not all over the place emotionally, but there is self-control there. Now, if answering, you know, positively to all these things, all right, is, is the way that you define the sweet life, then what is your, let's say, your, your sweet quotient? What is your sweet factor, your sweetness factor? I've looked at this carefully over the last couple of weeks, getting ready for this series, and, and I have to tell you, I just really have felt the Lord convicting me personally that I am lacking sweetness in quite a few areas of my life, that my sweetness factor is pretty low. And I know that the people closest to me could attest to that if they were, be told, if they were to be totally honest. And, and so I'm looking forward to this series because I, I need God to do work in my life in this area. I really need more of his sweetness in me. Maybe, maybe you feel the same way. Could you use more sweetness in your life? Do you sense that there's some places that are woefully lacking? Maybe the sweetness has gone out of your marriage because it's gone out of your life. Uh, perhaps at work, you're no better than the other people when it comes to complaining and criticizing. Let me ask you, has sarcasm and, and has obnoxiousness replaced the nectar of sweetness and encouragement and edification in your life? If it has, do you want to change? Do you want God's sweetness flowing through you want your family, your loved ones to vicariously experience that sweetness in you and through you? I do. I really honestly do. And I hope you do too. And so this morning, I want to start, and you can write this down, by discovering the source of sweetness in your life. For many of us, it's not necessarily a discovery like the first time. But for, for many of us, what we're doing today is a rediscovery of sweetness in our life. So a discovery or a re discovery of the source of sweetness in our life. And I want you to turn over to John chapter 15 because you cannot understand the fruit of the Spirit if you don't understand John chapter 15. We'll look at that for just a couple of minutes. John chapter 15. And I want to begin reading at verse 1. I hope you brought your Bibles today. Here's what it says. John 15, 1. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain or abide in me as I also remain or abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves, in other words, as proof that you are my disciples. And then we're going to deal with some other verses next weekend, but I just want to stop there for a moment. Now, I want to show you just a couple of interesting things. First of all, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Actually, in the original Greek, it reads this way. I am the vine, the true. The reason for that is this. Up until this time, the Jews understood Israel as God's vine because in places like Psalm 80 and Isaiah chapter 5 and Hosea chapter 10, Israel is referred to as God's vine. But now Jesus comes as a Jew to the Jews and to the world in general, and he says, no longer is Israel God's chosen vine, but I am his son. I am the vine, the true. Remember Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the what? The truth, the life, no man comes to the Father, but how? But through me. I am the vine, the true. And then he says again in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Notice what Jesus is saying is, now Jew and Gentile are grafted into me. I am now the source. Israel was the source of providing the Messiah. Israel was the source that kept the word of God. But now Jesus says, I am now the ultimate source of life. Now, I wanted to kind of bring that home a little bit more. And so I have a, here it is. I've got a melon here. All right, what kind of, what kind of melon is this? What's it called? Cantaloupe, very good, all right? And we'll cut it open with this tiny knife, all right, right here. And, uh, oh, it's pretty ripe, cut very easily. And, whoa, it is very ripe, all right? Ah, smells very good. I can't use this one that way. I've got to empty the juice out. Pardon me, take some notes for a minute, all right? Okay, now let me ask you a question. What's, what's that stuff inside there called? Seeds, all right? Very difficult question I'm going to ask you now. What kind of seeds are those? Cantaloupe seeds, right, okay? And if you take a cantaloupe seed and you plant it in the ground, what does it produce? It produces cantaloupes. hope nobody said apples or oranges, all right? It produces cantaloupes. Why? Because it is, they are cantaloupe seeds. Now, I want to have a little fun with you here, so hang on a second. I got to wipe down my little buddy here. You got some juice and uh, pour out some of that juice. All right. And I'm going to give you a chance to kind of pass it around and taste it. Okay. Just kidding. No, no, no tasting. All right. By the way, you know what's really good in cantaloupe? Ice cream. <laughs> right. 
and, and you can pass it down around, and I hope not to get you all wet with this, but it's kind of fun, all right? And uh, uh, just pass it around. When you're done with it, give it to an usher, okay? Because they're hungry. And, uh, or, or they'll give it to the, uh, the other folks. Now, what is this? And uh, if I cut the apple open, okay, what are those little things inside the apple called? What kind of seeds? And if I plant apple seeds, what will I hopefully get? All right, so I might give some to the balcony. Just kidding. All right, had you go on there. Uh, and it's a good reason to sit up front. And uh, I'll let you pass the apple around just so you can take a look at those seeds, all right, in the apple. Now, why am I doing all this? Well, the reason I'm doing all that is because in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul talks about the fruit of the who? The fruit of the Spirit, right? Listen carefully. Just as only a cantaloupe seed can produce cantaloupe, and an apple seed can produce an apple, only the Spirit can produce spiritual fruit. Only the Spirit can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Now that is so important for you and I to get our hearts and our minds around because we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the gentleness and the self-control and the faithfulness that it speaks about there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Listen carefully to me. It is nothing that you and I are capable of producing. You and I cannot produce what's mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, 22 because only one kind of seed can produce it. And what is that seed? The Spirit of God. So who is the source of spiritual? Who is the source of sweetness in our lives? The Lord, right? I am the what? I am the vine. You are the branches. So the source of spiritual fruit is Jesus himself. Only he can produce that in my life or in your life. Now, I want you to think about a wonderful mystery with me for just a moment. Jesus said in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. When Jesus came, when God came to earth, he came in human form, right? Jesus came in human form. And when we read the New Testament, we get a picture of Jesus, don't we, in our minds? Jesus was loving, would you agree? He was patient, he was peaceful, he had joy, he had kindness, he had gentleness, he had faithfulness, he had self-control. Jesus is the perfect picture of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't he? And you get this image of Jesus, you get a sense of the kind of person that he was. Now, listen to this. Jesus came in human form, not only so he could be a sacrifice on the cross for our sins, but listen carefully, Jesus also came in human form so that you and I could see who we can be when we get him in our lives. Did you catch that? Jesus came in human form so you and I could see who we potentially can be. So how can I I be Christ? Because that's what you just said. You and I can be Christ because where does he dwell? In our hearts. Paul says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Isn't Isn't that just amazing? I, I, that sends chills up my spine sometimes when I really take time to think about it. Christ wants to live his life out through me. And that's why, that's why we can have a sweet life. 
But the problem is, so many believers today, so many followers of Jesus don't emanate Christ's likeness, don't emanate his sweetness, right? We don't. And people hang around us, they spend time with us, and the truth is, we're not a whole lot different from them. Yeah, maybe we're more moral than they are, maybe we go to church and they don't go to church, maybe we're even a little more legalistic than they are, but the truth is... They don't sense anything supernatural or different about us. And that's what's really bothering me about my own life as well. So the question becomes, what is missing? And I want you to jot this down. I want to talk for a moment about practicing the art of abiding in the source of sweetness. I think what's missing is our inability or or our misunderstanding what it means to abide regularly, to practice abiding in Christ. I want you to look at John chapter 15 with me again. And I want you to read with me, follow along as I read verse 4. Jesus says, Remain, or the word is abide, in me, as I also remain or abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain or abide in the vine. He's talking about grapes on the vineyard. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I've got something that I wrote in my Bible a long time ago. It's this, it's this sentence. It says, God never asks from us what he doesn't put in us. Isn't that cool? God never asks from you what he doesn't put in you. He's not going to ask you for love and for peace and whatnot if it's not his that he's given to you. Now listen to what he says in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain or abide in me and I in you, you will what? No. You will bear how much fruit? You will bear much fruit. That's the picture Jesus has of a believer. Someone whose life is ripe and lush with his presence. Who's bearing much fruit. And I'm suggesting that at least in America these days, many of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus and probably are and really are followers of Jesus, we're like a limb that's partially torn away from the vine and we are only producing a little bit of fruit instead of much fruit. And we're missing out on the potential that God has for us to bear much fruit. So what does it mean to abide in Christ if that is the key to bearing much fruit? Well, I've got a bunch of of grapes here. And I want you to think about this branch of grapes with me for a moment like this. I want you to imagine that my arm and hand are the vine. And obviously, this is the branch full of grapes. Now, in my physical arm, there are veins running through. And the veins carry what? Hopefully, yes. All right. Blood. If, let's imagine this is a grapevine running through my, my veins, so to speak, is nectar or the grape juice that comes through the vine and into the branch and it fills up these little sacks until they are bursting full of meat and what kind of juice? Grape juice, ready for the picking and ready for the tasting that is so delightful. This is a picture of you and Jesus. This is a picture of me and Jesus. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And the only way that you can produce fruit is if you remain in me and I remain in you. And there's this beautiful relationship between the vine and the branch. It's as though Jesus is saying, you can't exist without me and I can't exist without you. We need each other to produce something potent and something very powerful. 
But here's the problem. We've got the picture. But we don't know how to actually abide in that vine. We don't know how to let the nectar of the Spirit flow in us and through us so that people vicariously can experience our sweetness. If you were to take this grape and eat it right now, it would burst your mouth with sweetness. And that is what our wife and our husband and our children and our parents and our friends and our co-workers should be experiencing in our life. But they're not in many cases. And the reason is because we don't know how to abide. So this morning, I, when I was working through this, and I understand my mind is different, okay? And I, I, I am a very simple person, and I think in very simple objects. And I thought, God, what it, why is it so hard for us to understand what it means to abide in you? And, and I thought about this little, this just came to my mind. And I need a volunteer uh, this morning who can just do... Uh, all I want you to do is do one pull-up, all right? So I need a volunteer who can just do an adult. I have to have an adult because there's a bit of a distance here. All right, come on up, all right? He's going to do a, a pull-up for me, all right? This way, though, not chin-ups, okay? This way, all right? Now, here's the deal, though, okay? This is like the fine print that you didn't, okay? Once you do your pull-up, you got to stay up there, okay? All right, so let's give him a hand, all right? All right? Go ahead. All right. Pull yourself up. All right. Now stay there. Now stay there. Okay. Now. All right. This is how. Don't laugh at him. All right. This is. No. Stay up. Okay. There you go. Now. This is how most of us view our relationship with Jesus. Stay up. Okay. Breathe. Stay up. All right. Okay. This is how most of us. This is how most. Ah, oh, okay, let go. All right, all right. Stay here, stay here, stay here, stay here, stay here. All right. For your efforts, I want to reward you. Give him a hand, all right? Okay. He's strong. That's hard. You say, okay, so what's, what's the circus act all about, okay? Listen carefully to me. That is a picture. I, want, I don't want you to forget that picture because that's how most of us view abiding in Christ. We see it as something that we have to put our effort into. Now, I want to ask you a question. This is the vine and this is the branch of grapes. Are the grapes down here straining to stay connected to the vine? Are they going like, oh, oh, hang on, hang on. We got to hang on longer. The harvest isn't here yet. Oh, I'm losing my grip. No, hang on longer. Do they do that? Absolutely not. Why? Because, because they're grafted into the vine. It is the vine that's hanging on to the branches. You and I spend and expend so much energy that we don't need to, if we would learn to abide, say, well, what does it mean to abide? Here it is. Number one, it means to rest in Christ. It means to rest in the Spirit. What does it mean to rest in the Spirit? Here it is. Jot it down. It means to give God control of everyone and everything in my life. That is nothing new to most of us, but we forget it almost every day. And what happens is we forget it and we get in a rut. And we forget it so long that we just, we just start trying to live the Christian life our own strength. And we fail miserably and we get defeated, we get weary, and we get discouraged. I want to ask you a question right now, a very personal question. Who are you trying to control right now? Is it your son or your daughter? Is it your wife or your husband? Is it your boss or your employees? 
Is it your friends? Is it the people on the road? Is it a neighbor? Who are you trying to control right now? What are you trying to control right now? A work situation, a problem, finances. What are you trying to control right now? Let me ask you a question. Are you doing that because God's not big enough? Are you doing that because God isn't strong enough? Because you don't think God can hang on to you? If God's not big enough to handle your problems and your difficulties, if God's not big enough to hang on to you, then he's not worth worshiping, is he? But you and I know the truth that he is big enough and he is strong enough. Why don't we rest in him? Why do we waste all that energy and get discouraged? Why don't we rest Give him control. Secondly, to abide means to remain in Christ. And that's something we have to practice on a daily basis. What does it mean to remain in Christ? Listen to these words again in John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus says, If you remain or abide in me and my words remain or abide in you, ask whatever you wish will be done for you. Very interesting, Jesus links this with prayer and his working of his will in our lives. He, he links it with the word of God abiding in us. And as Jesus says, I want you to do life by my words. If you do life by my words, I will be at work in your life. But I am amazed at how many of us who are followers of Jesus are doing life in our own strength and our own wisdom and the wisdom of the world. And it just gets us into trouble. Think of the energy we expend on a regular basis trying to connive and manipulate and work things out in our own strength. It's amazing, isn't it? We work so hard at it. In fact, think about this. It it takes a lot of work to sin. Have you ever thought about that? We spend an enormous amount of energy sinning. If you look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, where Paul contrasts the... uh, fruit of the spirit with the fruit of our flesh listen, listen to what he says there in galatians five nineteen. he says the acts of sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions and envy drunkenness orgies and the like long long list and he says the acts of sinful nature or the word is translated the works of the sinful nature which comes from the Greek word ergo, ergon from which we get energy. Paul says we spend a lot of energy trying to carry out our fleshly acts. And it drains us and consumes us. Why don't we rest in the spirit? Why don't we remain in the word and let the word remain in us? Why don't we do life God's way? Why don't we do our marriage God's way? Why don't we do our business God's way? Why don't we do our parenting God's way? Why do we expend so much energy doing it our way and in that process get frustrated and in that process sin and in that process become so bitter? doesn't make sense, does it, for intelligent human beings to do that? But that's what we do. That's not the intention that God has for us. Let me ask you again. Who are you trying to control? What are you trying to control? Is the word of God, are you doing life God's way right now? You handling life situation God's way right now or your own way and is it killing?
killing you? Is it draining you? It takes a lot, of, a lot of energy to lie. Have you ever noticed that? Because now you've got to cover it all up. It takes a lot of energy to have an affair. Have you ever noticed that? Because now you've got to cover the whole thing up. It takes a lot of energy to be angry, doesn't it? It takes a lot of energy to be jealous. Oh, and how, uns- you know, how, how bitter we become when we do that. If we would just let God have control. If we would just do life His way. Dallas Willard, in his book, Hearing God, tells a story of a businessman in Los Angeles by the name of Robert McFarlane. Listen to these words. Robert C. McFarlane was a well-known businessman in the Los Angeles area. He moved to California from Oklahoma in 1970. Within just a few days of his arrival, due to a disastrous misunderstanding with a close friend, he had to take control of an insurance agency. He did not want it, but he had to make it succeed in order to save the large amount of money he had invested in it. By the spring of 1973, he was in the third straight year of constant strain and stress in the operation of the business. He had recently been converted through the ministry of the Rolling Hills Covenant Church in Southern California in answer to the prayers of his wife, Betty, and her many Christian friends. One day that spring, the continual, listen to this, danger of defeat, the dark hours of effort, the frustration at every turn, and the hardened memories of the cause of his financial difficulties came upon him with special force. Even as I read that, some of you feel it. As he drove toward his office, he suddenly was filled with a frantic urge to turn left onto the road out of town and just disappear. Have you ever wanted to turn left? And just disappear. But into the midst of his inner turmoil, there came a command, pull over to the curb. As he relates it, it was as if the words were written on the windshield. After he pulled over, there came to him as though from someone with him in the car, these words. My son had strains that you will never know. And when he had those strains, he turned to me. And that's what you should do. After hearing these words, Robert sat at the wheel for a long time, sobbing aloud. He then drove on to his Long Beach office where he faced 22 major outstanding problems. All the most significant problems, whether they concern company disagreements, clients deciding to remain with his agency, payments by clients of late premiums, or whatever were substantially resolved at the day's end. Why? Because Robert McFarland learned the secret of giving up control and giving it over to God and doing it God's way. He learned to abide in Christ. And when we abide in Christ, he sweetens our life with the fruit of his presence. I'll ask you one more time today. Who are you trying to control? What are you trying to control? Are you abiding in Christ? Is Christ abiding in you? Is his word resident in your life? Are you doing life his way? Would you bow your heads? As we start this series, as we begin next weekend to look at supernatural love and supernatural joy and supernatural peace that can flow into and through our lives. It is so important this morning that we abide in Christ.
If you're here today and like me, you've realized that you're torn away from the vine a bit. And there's sweetness lacking in your heart. I want to give you a chance this morning to step out from where you are in a few minutes and come up here and kneel at these steps or stand at this floor and make it your statement saying, Lord, I am surrendering. And in your prayer, silent prayer, name who you're surrendering to him. Name what you're surrendering to him. And say to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to stop doing life my way and I'm going to start doing it your way according to your word. If there's sin in your life this morning, confess it. If you're grieving or quenching the spirit, just confess it. And just create the pathway to begin to rest in Christ and experience the supernatural release and flow of his grace and power in your life. Do you want that this morning? Believer, do you want Jesus this morning? Do you want him more than those problems? Do you want him more than those distractions? Do you want him to fill you full and overflowing with the nectar of his presence? Then you come. Let's stand. And I'm going to ask you if you're in the balcony, just come up to the railing and stand there. Here on the floor, if you please come in so that the aisleway is clear for people to move out. As Daryl leads us in this great song, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, will you come now and will you trust him? Tis so sweet. Trust in Jesus Just to take Him At His word Just to rest Upon His promise Just to know Thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus, oh, how I trust Him, and how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, a precious Jesus, a for grace, I trust Him more. Trust in Jesus, just to trust His cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, oh, how I trust Him, and how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, a precious Jesus, oh, for grace, trust Him more, I want to trust Him more.
to trust you. Precious Jesus, you're my savior and my friend. And I know that you are with me. Will be with me to the end, to the very end. Jesus, Jesus, oh, how I trust you. And how I proved you over and over. Jesus, Jesus, my precious Jesus. Oh, for grace, I trust you more. Yes, for grace, I need to trust you more. Oh, for grace. Trust you more. I wanna trust you more. Tis so sweet to trust in you. on us and forgive us for not abiding in you fully. Today, Lord, we resign as the CEOs of our life. We give you control of the people and the circumstances, God, that, that you're big enough to deal with. And God, we ask you to forgive us for doing life in our own wisdom and our own strength. We ask you to forgive us for where we have sinned against you expended energy that's not needed to be expended that could be so much better used in just obeying and, and knowing you, Lord. As we leave this place, Lord, we know that we'll be challenged today. We'll be challenged to take control again and do life our own way again. And God, we ask you for your deliverance. We ask for the presence of the Spirit of God in us to take over now and to make us very aware that he's taken over. We ask you, Lord, to help us begin to sweeten. Lord, as we become committed to these next four weeks together, I pray that we'll begin to bear supernatural fruit that will not only transform us, but will change our marriages and our families and our friendships and our work environments, and that, God, it will be a lasting fruit. We pray we ask this in the precious name of Jesus and all the people said. Amen. Listen carefully. Uh, Next weekend, we'll start with the third point, which is releasing the flow, how we do that. But this morning, the big idea, everything we try to say can be summed up in one sentence, that every follower of Jesus can live the sweet life, finish it with me, by abiding in the source of sweetness. And who is that source? Jesus. Daryl, would you close us in a prayer? Father, we thank you that we can stand before you and call you our Lord and our Savior and our friend. Lord, we know that it's well within your power to sweeten our life. We pray that you would draw us close to you, cause us to focus on nothing else but you, that we do a full-on pursuit of who you are, 
May you give us opportunities this week to demonstrate that. We love you, Lord. We thank you for these moments of worship to come before you. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. God bless you.